We're live with our 172nd episode of Absolute AppSec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, we're really excited today to have Jimmy back on the show. I was looking back through the past episodes and Jimmy was one of our first guests um, even before I started like or we, we actually started doing like episode summaries and things like that. We were trying to figure out the whole podcasting idea. Um, Jimmy came on, we talked to Kubernetes. And at this point, it's been a couple of years. I think you were the one that was pointing out that I think it was 2018 or early 2018, the yeah. last time we had you on. So we're excited to get into it with Jimmy here shortly, um, talk about what he's been working on and where, where he's going and where Kubernetes is going, especially. Um, and then, um, but besides that, as far as announcements go, I do have new t-shirts like Absolute AppSec t-shirts. We have refreshed our swag pile. So um, Jimmy will be sending you one for sure. Um, but uh, outside of that, if anybody is interested or wants one, jump into our Slack channel. That's where the, you know, the shit posting goes on, obviously, right? Um, but all of the actual information and we share stuff back and back and forth, um, join the community there to have a discussion with her. That, that's what I'm pitching there. Um, outside of that, uh, we're still, uh, you know, if you've been listening lately, you know that we're going to a local MocoSec at the end of June, teaching our secure code review course. Uh, seats are filling up for that. So if you're interested, that's a great place to do it. Um, I, you know, Jimmy did mention that sitting in a conference room for two days where people are on the beach can be difficult, uh, but we'll try and make it interesting to talk about uh, code and stare at a, uh, a screen of, uh, yeah, source code as we're sitting on the beach or sitting in a conference room next to the beach, however you want to um, structure that. Uh, outside of that, can um, I don't think we've got anything else right now. Are there any, is there anything else that I'm missing? No, I don't think so. Um, I was going to add, uh, as I actually just while you were talking, I went back and looked. Our first episode of Absolute AppSec was January 9th of 2018. It's been four years and four months of doing this <laughs> podcast. So I'm like, wow. I, yeah. Anyways, didn't, didn't realize that much time had passed. That's incredible. Um, yeah. Anyways, that's all I have to add. <laughs> so before we go ahead and introduce Jimmy, which the last time I saw Jimmy in person was at Locomoco. Locomoco said. 2019, I want to say. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I mean, the first episode of Absolute AppSec, I didn't even have children and now I have two. So I don't even know what, uh, uh, what to make of the time that's passed by. And I'm still talking about Kubernetes security. So um, a lot has changed, but so much has not. So yeah. thank you for having me back. Yeah, no, I think like maybe actually probably around that time frame, 2018, when, I, when we had, were doing the, starting the podcast, I think it was not too either it was during that time or like before that time you were you had decided you were going to do give training consult but you also were like it was really cool because you were traveling around essentially in a was it an rv or a van or something like that with your family just yeah. kind of like traveling the country just kind of yeah. yeah we did so, the you know, uh the traveling security consultant in our sprinter van for about a year so um that Oh, oh, things have changed. Um, yeah, we still have the van, but now we have a, a home as well, and and children and things and all the all the accessories of life. So, 
all the material trappings yeah, of uh, stuff, yeah. domestication. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I thought that was well, so well, 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 it's like Yeah, welcome to the club, right? You know, that's yeah. It's it's a good club to be in, so we're happy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, um thanks. yeah, I won't be at Locomoco Sec, but if anybody's listening, you should all go. Uh I've been to all of them, I guess, except for this one. So it's a bummer, but we have to uh pick and choose this year still kind of slowly opening the floodgates to conferences i could use a trip to hawaii but um you know maybe next time yeah what are your top picks uh coming up for the you know what's top of mind yeah we're if we're all in on uh i mean we'll be at rsa we are not uh boothing it up like as a startup that is not what we're doing but we have lots of interesting things planned for rsa uh, a lot of really product releases and, and meetups. And, uh, you know, we're, we're squatting in our, our uh, investors, beautiful office in downtown San Francisco, like meeting with people. So um, that and KubeCon uh, North America. So that's going to be our big, big one for the company. So that's uh, pretty much it. And then, you know, the standard black hat DEF CON kind of pilgrimage that well, always happens. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because, you know, obviously things have changed. When we talked to you last, that was, you know, you, you've had two kids. We, you know, we, you know, it's been four years. You were living in a van down by the river. But now, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you were training people. Um, but like, yeah, let's talk about what, where you're at now because, like, I mean, you're wearing the shirt, right? Like, it looks like it's KSOC is the name of yep. the company, right? It like, is. you know, yep. and you've been. Tell us a little bit about the journey and what it, what it's been to get to this point, right? Like what what flipped and what you're yeah what you're working on. Yeah, I mean for for those I haven't met who are listening, um, it's good good to meet everyone. I've uh, I've I've been on you know this this show and, and hung out with Seth and Ken uh, quite a bit over the years, but I have I took a a, a slight detour rabbit hole i don't know what it would what it would be called uh in back in it's like six years ago i got super into containers and i was always doing appsec things uh mm-hmm. and infrastructure security and uh kubernetes security just came on my radar because the company i was at we decided to run it in production way earlier than we probably should have uh and i just thought the whole problem space what it was changing was interesting build a training course. Uh, and, you know, with Jim Manico, who a lot of, a lot of listeners would, would know. And we, I had to quit my job because so many people were asking me to travel around the globe talking about this stuff. And I had a, uh, you know, a, a good two day course set up, uh, and that led one thing led to another and that somehow Kubernetes and security came attached to my identity and, KSOC was born just seeing things in the real world that were kind of scary and uh, decided I went to Signal Sciences uh, because having kids and we were working on some interesting things with containers there actually. And uh, they were acquired by Fastly. And, you know, that was a great time for this idea to, you know, come to life and, and give it a shot. And KSOC was always in my head for like four years and tinkered on it for a long time. And uh, we took, you know, venture capital and, you know, raised a proper seed round, 
hired an awesome team. I have a great co-founder. Like all of those pieces came together, uh, not easily, but they came together and we're off to the races, uh, trying to build kind of the next, the, the future of, of products in this space. And it's been really exciting. Very cool. Yeah. That's, I mean, that it's an interesting way to go for sure. And I, I know, I know we want to get into the Kubernetes security side of things, but, um, you know, now that you're talking about founding a company, right? Like maybe we, we talk about that a little bit before we jump into all, all things Kubernetes on the other side or the technical side, right? Sure. Um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people in the space that are, uh, that are constantly asking, or like even, you know, listeners that are on our Slack channel or on Twitter that are always asking about you know, how one goes about you know, finding funding or, you know, taking that idea. Tell us, tell us what that was like for, uh, for you. Um, like, what is it? Like, what was the path to actually finding some of those investors, getting that seed round going um, and what that took? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, we're like eight, eight months into this and mm-hmm. I feel like it's been eight years, you know, like there, you learn so many things that, I mean, you guys, we've all worked in security, led teams, you know, had hard jobs, but there's, you know, like founding a company just implies that you're reading term sheets, that you're navigating cap tables, that you're dealing with HR stuff. Like it, all these like things you just really take for granted when you started a company. Um, I mean, I know Seth, you, you run a, a consultancy, so I'm sure you understand this in detail uh but the venture world like you can bootstrap a company it's not to say you can't and lots of successful security companies are bootstrapped um it wasn't the path for us so the process is in 2021 a bunch of it's like zoom meetings for 14 hours a day basically right you're you're just trying to get a hold of people who can help you move this idea forward and there's these baby steps. So the first step is like, I have an idea. I'm some sort of uh, self-proclaimed subject matter expert. I'm, I'm uh, capable of having a vision uh, with other people for the future of this space. And then you have to formulate like what that'll look like and uh, basically pitch it to VCs, which is this, wild act of networking and you know not like networking seems cheesy but it truly is like all about who you know right who can get you an intro to this person um and every time you're taking feedback and kind of rolling that into the pitch rolling it into the the vision and ultimately coming up with a a really solid defensible business that okay people want to invest in. And I think that's like for security people, there's this like lure to build really awesome tech, right? Like, and product and solve these, these problems. But there's this other side that's bigger of like product marketing, sales, like the whole go-to-market strategy, the total addressable market of the thing you're working on, why you're qualified to do it. You're how you defend against competitors, how you build a moat. And like, it's one thing to like read a medium article about this stuff, but then you do it and you're like, Oh, that's like, I won't get funding if we don't have a plan for that. Right. And it's, uh, it's, it's 
it's been just eye-opening and really awesome to learn about the business of like cyber security in quotes, right? And like, that's <laughs> yeah. where we're at. So that's, it's, it's been fun, but you know, it's a flood of information. Yeah. So um, okay. along those lines, right? If you're, as you were, well, okay. First of all, like, so how long did it take to go from kind of this product, like building out the pitch idea, you know, everything else to actually getting that seed round of funding? Like how many rounds of, or how many pitches did you have to do? I, I mean, I know it's different for every company, but I like, yeah, it's just interesting to hear what your experience is. Yeah. I think the, the, if you follow like the VC kind of Twitter, LinkedIn sort of world, you're going to feel like everyone's out there doing like one pitch and getting like $150 million and they just <laughs> call it a day. What actually goes on under the hood is uh, like just a lot of, you know, rejection, to be honest. I mean, you have to be more comfortable with rejection than ever before. And I think that's not a sign of weakness. If you take that rejection and the feedback that comes with it and you make your, you know, stance stronger. And so for us, I mean, it, we, we have a, a really good, strong founding team, myself and Brooke Mata. Like Brooke is a 20 plus year veteran and go to market in security. I am not that. And so like we have the, the recipe for a co-founding team that VCs want to see. You, you can't just have having two strong technical founders works at times, but you're going to need strong leadership in sales and like experience building that machine. Um, so yeah, Brooke is amazing at that. Uh, and I think like <laughs> to put a number on it, I have no idea, like probably upwards of 50. I mean, individual, yeah. individual like discussions and some are really good. And like, you're going to talk to And it's not about like your product being incorrect. It's about you matching with the thesis of that VC firm, right? They have a very clear path to where they want to be, what space they want to play in details about the founding team, how far along the company is. And like, it doesn't mean like you have a bad idea. It just means maybe you don't have a match. And yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we got really lucky. We condensed it. It was, you know, I mean, it's not luck, but it was, uh, we did condense this into just a couple months, but we found uh, a lead, lead investor with Forest Six Ventures and uh, then Vertex Ventures as well. And then Gula Tech, Ron Gula from uh, Tenable. Uh, we, we had the luxury to pick and choose kind of, which is nice. And we wanted a team that's going to help us just like take off. So you have to, yeah. You, I mean, I think most companies don't work because people just give up. Cause yeah, there's no, no reason why you wouldn't give up sometimes. It's uh so yeah, if you keep trying, it gets better. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and that's positive to hear, right? Like I, I, I mean, we do have a tendency in the industry to exactly what you're saying. You look on LinkedIn and you're like, Oh man, that idea is great. But like, it seems like they turned around, found the person in, you know, two weeks to give them the seed funding. And all of a sudden they're a $200 million company and they're mm -hmm. exiting and, you know, living on the beach in Hawaii all of a sudden, right? Like, and it just seems they went from zero to nothing to that in, you know, in the course of six months, which is 
is usually not the case. Yeah. Um, right. Like that's, that's a very rare occurrence. It's all about sticking with it, improving the pitch, improving the product as you go, you know, yeah. and then, and finding the right people. Right. I just, yeah. 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 The people, people, I mean, hiring is, is the lifeline. I mean, money is the real blood, I guess, lifeline of the company, but hiring and who you, who you bring on early is, it's it. Like that's, that's the whole thing. Like you make some wrong decisions there that are, you know, like you're going to be in trouble. Right. And um, Mm -hmm. luckily we were able to bring on just a fantastic engineering team and product team, some X signal science folks. And we've had great luck with our, you know, finding amazing engineers and that helped us propel forward pretty quickly. So yeah, it's, but hiring's hard. Like, yeah, to to be a company that just kind of came out of stealth or whatever you want to call it, and like it, asking people to come work for you, take a pay cut potentially. You know, um, you gotta have conviction and find people who really want to to contribute. And luckily, we we have. So shout out to the whole team. If yeah. anybody's listening, they're probably <laughs> sick of hearing here. If they're probably sick of hearing me talk, so they're not tuning in. But um, yeah. Yeah. And if they are, get back to work, guys. Come on. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, I'm just teasing. More pull um, requests. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and that mm-hmm. uh, that was going to be my other question. Like, given the, you know, the current, like, uh, landscape of hiring, you know, how have you gone about finding those engineers? Like, has that been friends and family? Has that just been, like, recruitment? Like, what, like, what does that look like? Yeah, so... What you what you'll realize if you find, like found a company, you're basically doing sales all day. Whether it's selling people to come work for you, an actual customer, you know, get, getting on a podcast, like whatever the thing is, it's like all a sales motion. And um, luckily for us, we Kubernetes and security is like Kubernetes itself. If you want to work in that space, it's you know, like kind of this cult of Kubernetes developers, you know, it's like, I want to write go like, and and I'm part of that. cult. uh, And it, we, we can attract very, you know, unique talent in that way because we're not kind of a generic sort of security company. It's pretty specific technology stack. Um, I think finding for us, we, we, we have most of our engineering team in, in London, in Poland. And that really was because I pestered this one individual who I won't call out, who I really wanted to work with. And he decided to, you know, jump on board. He told his ex coworker friend, they told another friend, you know, it, um, it, it grew organically in, in Europe actually uh, in that we've had great success there. So you just have to find people who are like down with, basically you have no onboarding process. We barely have a laptop set. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, it's like that environment is not always the ex Googler who early, you know, the ex kind of like Microsoft. No, I, <laughs> I, I yeah, can, so sorry to interject, but I've, mm. I've managed a decent number of people and I've realized there really are, there are folks who are not comfortable in the gray they are not comfortable if things aren't black and white 
things aren't laid out for them in a specific way. There's no specific written documentation around X, Y, Z. There are people that are just completely unsuited for any ambiguity whatsoever. That's just, and however, those people definitely have strengths, right? These are super organized people. Typically, these are people that are just very like live and die by a calendar and the clock and everything like that. Like they're very like, they're like Swiss watches, but they are not okay with ambiguity. What I found (laughs) alternatively is there's this other set of people uh, probably all three of us fall into this where you are so used to living in ambiguity, you wouldn't know what to do if someone did spell, spell it out for you. You know, it's like, that's too restrictive. And like, you're okay living in that and you're okay in like context switching and that's okay for you. Um, but like, yeah, it's, 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 it's very clear that there is a, there is not like a middle ground. I haven't found a middle ground. I found like people that are comfortable with it and people that are not comfortable with it. And uh, you obviously yes. need to be comfortable if you're, if you're going to be living you in have, the, uh, yeah. the startup world. You have to be, um, you and you have to be okay with just like, just shipping it, whatever it is. Like there's, there's very like, that's the hard part. If you're into perfection, like it, it's tough, right? Cause sometimes the MVP is, is GA within the course of 24 hours. So, um, and you know, like with anything, like it's in, it's, it's fun. And and if you can take a minute to step back and like realize what you're doing and kind of like enjoy the process, I think that's the only way to not go insane. So, yeah, there were a hundred percent times when Seth and I were building a product, uh, back in the day, we'll say, uh, where we would push right before we were on a demo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh. oh my God, we got to fix this up. And then we go on a demo and be like, Whew, yeah. see? Oh, oh, that, was, that, that worked. <laughs> we're yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, totally that's the you. life, man. It's, it, it's, it's good. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's stressful, right? Like for sure. Right. Any, any small startup, any small consultancy, you know, yeah. like, I mean, you know, Ken and I helped run that one for a while. And, you know, like, as it got bigger, it definitely got more defined. Um, but, you know, that's just it being management or running the companies, right? Like it, you forget how much of that is. Okay, your sales all the time, your marketing all the time. But you're also, hey, if we want insurance, if I don't figure this out, no one else is going to, right? Like there's no like magical person that's going to come in and step in yeah. and take over some of that stuff, right? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's freeing in one sense, but it's also like this whole like stress ball of other stuff that you have to worry about that you don't realize as a technologist. Right. So, yeah, that has nothing to do with your product or your like, yeah, like engineering at all. It's just like janitorial work and you just have to do it. And that's just (laughs) part of, part of the gig. Right. So, I mean, we've been truly like blessed with, an amazing group of advisors and like people chipping, like I use, we use our advisors more than maybe other startups. I'm like speed dial. Some of them like, Hey, hard decision. It's happening now. What would you do? You know? And that's uh, you have to, or, you know, like it's, you have to make these decisions within hours sometimes and you need, you know, some other recommendations. Um, so yeah, our, our advisor network's great. We have, you know, investors are awesome. Like it's, 
Brooke and I are first time founders and, and that's like, there's just lessons learned that you have to go through. Um, mm-hmm. And you can almost see you go through a thing that's really hard. And then you're like, if I did this again, this would not actually be that hard. You're just like, you, you learn all you stash this stuff away. Um, yeah, cool. So yeah, it's cool. Well, good. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I appreciate the insight there. I, like, you know, we'll, we'll definitely have people, ping you either on twitter or whatever else right if they've got additional questions in all your spare time as a founder you know i'm sure that's what they yeah you know i love it like i especially security people who want to do something really cool and it's usually the biggest thing i see and i'm not the guru right i'm not that far i'm in the thick of this myself but it's building a product versus building a product versus building like a feature or a tool, right? And it's a big difference where you you know you see people come out of the gate and they have this great idea, but you almost have to like beef it up to the extent where you're gonna take it to IPO, right? Like that's that's mm-hmm. the plan. You want to be a multi-billion-dollar company, not a like a, a point solution. And I think that's what security people, because we're getting the weeds of the tech. Like it's hard to think at that scale. So that's, yep. uh, I see that a lot and, you know, myself included, I had to really change my, where my head's at, um, when it comes to what is the market, what are we going after and who are we taking out in the process? Right. Um, yep. so cool. How did you, yeah. um, make those connections though? Like, um, was it a pro, I mean, I think you touched on it a little bit, but just to expand on that, did you, so you reached out to, I assume other folks in security who you were already familiar with and had presumably gone through the VC funding process and got some advice there. It sounds like. Um, yeah. So we raised the friends and family round first. Uh, and there's no one way to do this. And that, that was very, it's very much like, Hey, network, I'm building a thing. Here's kind of what it is. Do you believe in me? Um, and will you chip in some money to see this thing through to growing really big? And you want to make sure that you're like, you will quickly see your network actually would is interested in investing and things like that to some degree. And they're connected, right? Like I was not one-to-one connected with like, a thousand VCs, but, you know, through my network, we're able to get intros and like, you know, the first five pitches are rough. (laughs) Like you're just going to be like, not really, we got a term sheet really early and it was, you know, I was thankful for that because it gave me the boost of confidence. Uh, But I didn't know how to like read it fully. So I had to pull in my, you know, people who are close to me that, have been through this before and be like, help me understand this line by line and like take notes. It's like the next one was different. Um, so you just have to ask around and like your network's bigger than you think it is, I guess is the yeah. tip there. Yeah. Yep. Cool. We have a question yeah. for well, you. Yeah. Sorry, Seth, I don't mean to interrupt. I think I'm having a little Go Wi-Fi issue. Uh, it says a uh, question for Jimmy. What's the hardest lesson you've learned as a first time founder? Oh, um, the hardest lesson. It's a, it's a hard, that's a difficult question. I think, I think, uh, 
it's kind of a compound answer, but there's, there's two hats you have to wear. One is a, a people manager, right? Like a pure engineering leader and then a founder of like building the company, the brand, the, like the, the product vision. So the hardest lesson is trying to be, bring your best self to both. And, and I'm not perfect all the time. Like I have a, I have a team, right. And like, I can't, I have to make sure that they're taken care of and like, you know, people are happy and uh, that issues are at least have a plan. And like, sometimes I go off into chaos land of like conferences or like fundraising or these other things. And you, you, you know, you have to really be a people manager and leader. And uh, that's the hardest lesson that's ongoing and maybe will never end. <laughs> so it's uh, it, it's one of the things I wasn't, quite as prepared for to have two jobs basically you know uh and they're they're two very full-time jobs and you have to give them both all of your attention so you just don't sleep yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's a if, if whole it, other thing yeah. is yeah, yeah. If no, you like the nine to five i feel like yeah. you're 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 the I'm right laggy. person to bring bring up a... yeah it's i mean <laughs> If you, if you truly are like, like I have two kids and a family and I try, we try really hard to like have a life that's meaningful outside of this, but like it will consume every waking moment and sleeping moment of your life. Like there is no, I don't think you're, you're doing it wrong if it doesn't like, it just, it, it, um, as much as you try to shut off and, and, but you, you have to really mentally like try to block time for your family and whatever you do to be sane. Cause you will, you will obsess 24 yep. seven. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that in general, just running a business or being the guy where it, you know, buck stops there that you're that you're in charge. That's what happens is, you know, you find yourself waking up at 2am and you're wondering, Oh crap, what's this project or what is this like this feature or whatever that has to be built. And it has, has to be done by this day. It's hard to switch off. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it, really hard. Um, mm-hmm. But you have to mountain yeah. biking. So I, I like, I, I mountain bike. And when uh-huh. I'm doing that, if I am not in the moment of mountain biking, I'll crash on my like face. <laughs> so it's the best thing for me. Forces forced meditation. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can go, you, you can go Ken's route and go BJJ <laughs> as well. Right. Ken. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you gotta have it something is, uh... where you, yeah, you'll just, stew in your startup and yeah it's not good mm-hmm. so for seth it's uh like snowboarding skiing for yep. jimmy it's biking for me it's jujitsu i have a sense of theme put yourself in extreme danger yes. to turn yeah. off turn off work for a second yeah it's i i've subscribed to that for a long time so yeah yeah yeah. And, and until you take your kids and they break their leg and th- there's a whole other story there for me, but yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, good. Well, let's, let's jump into the technical side of things a little bit, yeah. right. On, on the Kubernetes. So, um, you know, appreciate the insights there, but let, let, first of all, I've been, um, I've been seeing this, the OWASP top 10 stuff for Kubernetes come out. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like you're the project lead there. Um, but yeah, let, let's talk about that the to, the top ten, and then 
I want to know what kind of what your feeling is, how things have evolved over the last few years, right? Because um, I know Kubernetes has changed a fair bit. Um, yep. But yeah, yeah. So start with the top 10. Like what sure. happened? How did that come about? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been involved in OWASP for off and on for a really long time, uh, most of my working life. And uh, so there, there's, we'll start with like what's changed and what hasn't. The Kubernetes project itself uh, is mature, right? Like it's, it's totally, um, releases are in quotes, like boring from a security perspective. There's some cool stuff happening with, with image signing and, and things like that, but you know, there's nothing groundbreaking. What's what that kind of leads to is the maturity means more adoption, more adoption means we're seeing an uptick in CVEs. We're seeing an uptick in misconfiguration at scale. We're seeing big companies using Kubernetes in really, really big ways. Um, so, you know, we're only just starting to scratch the surface of like the, the threat model, if you will, for Kubernetes. It's not, it's, it's not that straightforward because it's an ecosystem of third-party stuff and everybody uses it a little bit differently. So the Kubernetes top 10 really came from like, you know, we, we, whether you love or, you know, hate the OWASP top 10, like it is kind of the, the, the entry point for AppSec, right? It's the thing you look at first when you're trying to figure out like what's going on in this space. And I worked on a project with some people called the Kubernetes security cheat sheet. Uh, And I'll paste that in there. That was last year. And the cheat sheet series is amazing. And it, it, it's funny because like OWASP and Kubernetes don't go hand in hand really uh, at all, but it's like my space, I guess that I understand. And the cheat sheet is more detailed, right? It's like the nitty gritty of what's, what's going on under the hood. Uh, it's really long, really thorough. And the, the point of the top 10 is to have a kind of quickly consumable reference, right? Of like, what are the problems of today? And uh, I am the lead of the project, but not, uh, it, yeah, it's, I, I want other people to get involved. We had our first poll, like I, I just talked about this on Friday at the OWASP Bay Area chapter meetup, really only revealed the very rough work in progress draft of this thing Friday had a, a pull request already with add, add some additional content for some of the supply chain uh, sections, but it's, it's meant to be, yeah, like AppSec people get the OWASP top 10. And like, I think the security teams that I'm working with are kind of like, I don't know what I don't know. Right. And that's mm-hmm. the problem with Kubernetes and containers. It's like, I think, I think it's not perfect, but I need some sort of like reference model. And we have the NSA hardening guideline, which is great. We have the CIS benchmarks, which are very you know thorough to some degree, um, but they're consumed a little differently. Um, I don't think the OWASP top 10 is like a scanner output sort of document. It's more of like this reference model, um, you know? Yeah. Well, so and this is what... Yeah. Yeah, and this is what we've struggled with in OWASP for or with the top ten in general is that it was always 
intended to be a an awareness document, right? So yeah. for Kubernetes, this like this is a good hey, what is it that I need to know about Kubernetes to actually you know set this up? What should I be concerned about? Like what are the risks that are associated with it? As opposed to here's a list of a hundred things that I need to I need to analyze or I need to be need to do when I'm implementing Kubernetes. That's a different, like the checklist series, the cheat sheets, the CI security benchmark, that's where that fits. But this like wide swath of what do I need to be thinking about the, the top 10 on a, you know, overarching level. That's yeah. It's, it's very useful to take that to management or other places. So, yeah, I think so. I think it helps. It just helps frame the problem um, in, in the language that security people are used to. And today, like if you, if you pop it open, um, none of this should be like rocket science, right? Like you could glance over this, even if you've never touched Kubernetes and kind of understand where things are going, right? Like insecure workload configurations. Yes, we do know (laughs) misconfigurations are a problem. They have been, they will be. And it's, a lot of what's happening in Kubernetes supply chains mentioned in there. Um, the that's a whole different can of worms to, to talk about, but yeah, it's uh, it's really like, what are the pain points that our teams need to have on the post-it note that, you know, I should go talk to the SRE folks or, or, you know, the people managing these clusters. Um, so that's really the intention there. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, along those, uh, along those lines, right? Like I know that, well, to, to bring it back around to what, uh, what, what you're doing with KSOC, like how is that related to the cheat sheet series? Like, what is it that you're offering there, um, in conjunction with, you know, sorry, the OS top 10 and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, disclaimer, like we are not like building the OS top 10 around what we do or, you know, this is a total, like me contributing a document back to the community because it's useful. Um, KSOC was, was built to, to give security teams and, and development teams uh, easy to understand and easy to remediate or a path to remediation uh, in multi-cluster large distributed environments. So the, the problem statement is like, we are not running one cluster anymore. We are not running two. It's usually like over 50 and it's not one cloud. It's not two clouds. Sometimes it's three with a mix of on-prem and KSOC is really built to unify the distribution of policy and discovery of misconfigurations. Like there are things that would be in the top 10, you know, um, and, you know, we do it in a way that's, extraordinarily operational it's operationally friendly you know we, we you know low performance i mean the performance impact is is almost nothing it's easy to get going we have like helpers to let you go find clusters that you didn't know existed um it's really for those like you know early day operations of like i know i have a large footprint here i need to get my head around enforcing policy across it and uh it's it's all of those things. It's it's all the different components inside of a cluster, misconfiguration, role-based access control, least privilege enforcement, 
we do, uh, we have a very unique take on remediation. So we've, we've kind of morphed into being like a GitOps tool. So we, we tie deeply into source repositories where all these manifests are stored and we automatically generate fixes in the form of pull requests. And it's, uh, it's really trying, you know, saying shift left is one thing, but like, it's very rare that we do it well. Um, and you guys know that, uh, yeah. you know, we actually do that. So, but in the Kubernetes context, like a Jira ticket that your tool generated with 55 findings that has a link to a Wiki, Wiki article is not really what the, you know, operator of that cluster can consume and do something with. So we're trying to be, yeah, a DevOps tool. Like it's actually doing the, the work of fixing the code and putting the, you know, the fix in the hands of the operator to merge it. So um, it's all those things combined into something that's like stupid simple to use, which I think is like not the story of our security products typically. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah. <laughs> No, I was going to ask, like, who, who, I mean, on that note, who's your typical, like, who typically approaches you? Is it like it, the SRE folks? Is it the, like security operations folks? Is it application security? You know, is it a mix, like mixed bag? Like who, who usually is reaching out to, uh, yeah. you know? I, you know, it's, it depends, like, well, every answer depends, but <laughs> companies are kind of in two buckets, as you know, like there's some companies that were born in the cloud, right? Like they, they didn't do a lift and shift. They didn't do like a, you know, digital transformation or whatever. They kind of had a, you know, a cloud footprint from the beginning. And in those circumstances, you're typically going to find like a cloud security engineer, like if you're talking about titles or, or an SRE team, that's like, has a very strong security background, right? Like, cause sometimes it's not, you don't even have a security team. You just have SRE folks that, you know, have that responsibility. And, you know, in the cloud first kind of companies, like we see that. And if you are kind of big, you were on-prem and you're moving things to Kubernetes, it's a slow process. And that it's like typically a mix of like, the CISO suite, right? Like kind of a, the more like security engineer who's learning cloud security, or you have a compliance uh, team that knows this Kubernetes thing is running workloads in a regulated environment. Um, so it's a, it's a totally, it's a mixed bag. AppSec. Yeah, we do get some people from AppSec asking about it because it's uh it's part of the responsibility, right? Like the image that ultimately the app, the, the engineer built that's running as a container has configurations around it that are particular to Kubernetes. So AppSec is starting to kind of see that and, and talk to us about how we can help kind of sandbox those, those environments. Mm -hmm. I kind of figured, you know, considering you've got the OWASP material, which is obviously centered around application security, but I could also see for sure for, for, for see like uh, security operations or SRE folks being of interest. So it seems like it would be a mixed bag, but yeah, better, better to clarify and ask and be certain. Yeah. And you know, some of those things will surface as, as we grow, I think like, because we're ingrained in, 
in the like source repositories for some of these uh, uh, like kind of YAML templating tools out there, we will see more SRE folks in engaging with KSOC than a typical security tool, probably. That's awesome. That's that's uh, that's yeah. No offense to uh, us application security people, but we're we're not we're not a, uh, a huge crowd, whereas SRE, <laughs> pretty large crowd in comparison. So, yeah, 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 you know, good market. They're responsible Great for this market. thing, so yeah, that's awesome. No, this cool. is an interesting uh, set of guidelines here too um, that you've, you've produced. This is pretty interesting. So, you know, if we're, if we are looking down that list, right, like you're looking at either the cheat sheet or the, you know, the top 10, um, right. Like what is your quick hit? Like what's your quick go-to, right. Somebody that's, you know, coming into it fresh, right. From the C-suite or whatever, right. Like in that, you know, Hey, we want to take a look at this and get, start getting our hands around it. Where do they start? Uh, you, you call me and we install KSOC. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yep, yep. uh, yes. No. Um, <laughs> Always you know, selling. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. Seriously. The, the, uh, <laughs> the CIS benchmark is going to get you pretty far. Um, mm -hmm. And the CIS will, you know, there's one for EKS, GKE, AKS and Kubernetes proper and Docker. So it's a little overwhelming because some of them have some overlap. Uh, but if you can find an open source tool of choice, or you know, we're going to be re releasing an open source kind of suite of tools around that as well. Just get a lay of the land, right? You're going to be probably overwhelmed because there's mm -hmm. a bunch of workloads running in ways you didn't really uh, approve of or know that that, that was happening. So the CIS is a great start. Uh, I don't think it's the end all be all um, for a variety of reasons, but starting there is good. Uh, having discussions about RBAC and identity and access management and who and what can access different components of a cluster is skipped altogether in a lot of organizations. Mm -hmm. And that that's pretty scary. Like if I did kind of a, side exercise of trying to find every public Kubernetes exploit, whether it's like a bug bounty write-up or whatever. Um, even tutorials I wrote and, and you know, with other people in the past, CTFs, they most of them stem from abuse of, of role-based access control when you're talking about Kubernetes. So that's a huge fuzzy problem that uh, I think takes quite a bit of effort to lock down we are building tooling around that, but it's still something you're going to have to have policy, you know, proper guidelines and a full audit of mm -hmm. like what's going on in, inside, like the identity sort of story and access control. Um, and yeah, those, those two areas like workload configurations and our back pretty important stuff. Um, networking's networking's, important but you know there's you got to start somewhere and i don't think having like a full-fledged networking security solution offers value until you've hit a certain level of maturity just because there's other gaping holes that you have to address first yeah well i mean it, it's interesting that you know the 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 more that things change the more they stay the same right like it's i, I mean 
I, I know I always go back to the crocs and socks of security, right? Like your AAA, <laughs> your authentication authorization and auditing. And it, it feels like we've been talking about these. I, I mean, I know we have, we've been talking about them, you know, since I got in the industry, which was, you know, what, five years ago, right, Ken? Just five. <laughs> five, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hundred. But uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Like it, author, author, authentication and authorization authorization specifically is hard, right? Like, always. Like, you know, it, it always is. It doesn't matter what the application is, what the environment is, unless you are disciplined. And even then there's going to be flaws. Um, yep. So it, like it, so it's not too surprising, at least to me, that that's, that's where you go to first, because that's where, that's where I would go to as a, you know, an outsider looking at an application, looking at an environment is, what do I have access to? Is there ways that I can change what that access level is? Are there things that are given, you know, I, I'm allowed to get into that I shouldn't be able to because mm -hmm. it's the easy button, right? Um, if I'm deploying Kubernetes and I don't know anything about it, I'm probably just giving everybody all sorts of access and then not worrying about it. And that gets pushed all the way into the production with, you know, yeah. Instance yeah and, you know, same stuff it. from, it's, it's a 20, this top 10 you could overlay onto like cloud security. I mean, onto pretty much anything, right? It's the same stuff, uh, just compounded in a different technology. You know, the interesting thing I will say about Kubernetes, there's one, one piece of it uh, called admission controllers or admission control webhooks that, that, you know, and we leverage them as part of our product, but the, the underlying like built-in nature of these is, you can inspect and or mutate requests coming to the API server and do arbitrary operations. So that is something we never, it, there isn't really a one-to-one -one in like cloud or a traditional kind of server, you know, three-tier kind of web server architecture with VMs and using those kind of admission controllers intelligently, like you can do some serious security like goodness, uh, uh, there's a lot you can do there that is unique to Kubernetes. So it's not all doom and gloom. Like there is actually a way to make this thing pretty like hardened and uh, ready to be run in the most regulated environments and, and feel good about it. But it's, you got to leverage the native controls inside of Kubernetes. And I think that's where there's a bit of a skills gap breakdown. There's not a lot of things documented in one place. You know, there's there's still a big disconnect there, but we have the tools. I think we've been mm -hmm. saying that at DEF CON for years, probably, but like we have the we have the tools. It's just like we need the place and the, the to go kind of understand how to turn them on. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I I'm the least knowledgeable here on Kubernetes. And so one question I have, oh, Seth, sorry, did I interrupt you? No, Were you gonna ask nope, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to just ask about like with OIDC because I mean, I don't know why I was surprised that it supports OIDC. I mean, Google and Microsoft are like the two companies involved in OpenID or the main two big players. And obviously Google and Kubernetes go hand in hand. So I don't know why I was surprised, but I was surprised when I saw OIDC was supported by Kubernetes. Um, so how does that work with uh, with RBAC? I guess that's, I'm literally like trying to read the documentations while you're talking, <laughs> trying to figure it out. Good like, luck. So, yeah. I, cause you know, there's, there's information that comes back obviously, uh, 
in that JWT that gets signed and provided yep. that access token for, for, uh, OIDC. Uh, and I'm not sure if like there's some attributes to get passed back there and then that's used for our back or like how that all works. Yeah. So Kubernetes is not, uh, Kubernetes is like a, it's bring your own authentication typically, right? Like there's not one unified way to authenticate to Kubernetes, but in, in terms of our back. So at the API server, like layer, you authenticate to the cluster, right? Like, I have my OID, I have my signed JOT and, and it has all the things I need. I am authenticated to Okta, Azure AD, whatever. And Kubernetes is going to verify you're authenticated. But the authorization step through RBAC uses a combination of four things, roles, cluster roles, role bindings, and cluster role bindings. And you as the operator, the security team or the SRE team, you, you build the policy. So I'm Jimmy. I opt into, you know, with Google, I have that set up on my API server. I, I come in through, uh, you know, cube control and I want to do some stuff. So on the, you know, on the back end in Kubernetes, it's going to verify that I, my subject, Jimmy, or my group that I'm part of is part of this combination of cluster roles and, and cluster role bindings, for example. Oh, and I see it's going to say like, I'm allowed to list pods in namespace development and that's it. You know, it's an allow list and nothing else. So you, if you look at the Kubernetes API spec, like there's a lot of things and it supports basically every HTTP verb. So get post, put, delete, patch. And you have to like mangle those together to say like Jimmy's group, development is allowed to do these things. So what happens is that's hard and you yeah. you give Jimmy something elevated because maybe he needs it later or whatever. Um, and Kubernetes has some roles and cluster roles out of the box. One's called cluster admin, right? If you see a group of people or service accounts bound to <laughs> cluster admin, that's it. Like, that they have every everything you could possibly ask for, right? And like it's uh, it's it's just messy. Like the the tooling around it's hard. You know, we're building some of this now, and it's almost like a a graph versus a real like ACL list. It's like this mm -hmm. wild mashup yeah. of things. Um, so yeah, like authentication's figured out. Like we we don't need to deal with that too much. But now it's the authorization and emission control. Because there's another layer that says, okay, Jimmy's authenticated. He's authorized to perform that action. Now we're going to do a pre-flight final check to see if something needs to mutate in that request. Or maybe there's a security policy, which is what we do. We build policies at that layer after authorization as well that says, like, Jimmy's trying to deploy a container image from Docker Hub. Docker Hub is explicitly disallowed in cluster production deny request and that's super powerful right like very granular so role management group management done directly in kubernetes however there's a second component where policies are set with mission control it sounds like yep and uh you had mentioned like somebody wanting to do something temporary temporary ah, temporarily needing maybe elevated access is there a notion of like yeah temporary sort of access 
tokens or policies that you can set and say like, hey, for 24 hours, so-and-so is going to be able to manage X, Y, Z. Um, yeah, like, again, total just, new yeah, in that fine. regard. Just follow our account on Twitter. You'll see more on that. There's not anything oh, out of the box. Sweet. Um, sweet. Yeah, there's, awesome. uh, it, we, that's, there's not a native uh, just-in-time sort of feature. Now, 1.24 introduced a lot of in interesting security controls around service accounts because traditionally service accounts are mounted into every namespace. They're static. They get checked into GitHub, like all the same secrets that we stuff we've dealt with for a long time. We are seeing a movement towards uh, short, short term service account tokens, um, you know, generated on the fly sort of uh of credentials guess, there yes. but it's not yeah yeah same sort of concept inside of inside of kubernetes using service count tokens so that's like alpha um it, but it doesn't solve the develop like the end user developer access problem directly yet no but that's interesting because that's i mean those are my first kind of uh first kind of thoughts and it sounds like from chat it looks like somebody else uh, looks like larry had said the same thing that was where his uh yeah that's exactly where his his uh head was at as well i guess he might have asked that question right as i had asked that question so uh yeah good good to know we're on the same because that's the, the first thing you think right you're like well yeah there's definitely going to be those needs for temporary access but like yeah to you to the point to your point earlier like you don't want to just give somebody everything just because it's easy because that leads to problems later so cool sounds like you've got a plan for that uh that's that's Sweet. awesome yeah we've yeah we've got a, we've got a plan for lots of things so um <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's all a matter of time jimmy yeah yeah all a matter of yes, time yes. yep kubernetes domination no, it's, uh i love it i think that that's why we like there's so many little things like that on a lot of levels that need a single place to go and i refuse to say a single pane of glass but um <laughs> it, it's 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 hard right you have all these like kind of scattered little open source projects that do one thing and then you know you're tied into the cloud over here but you know, multiply that times literally 50 plus clusters what's the it, it's a non-starter like it's not gonna, yeah. gonna scale your like one-off scan that's on a cron job dumping into slack like it's not i love it but it's not the right solution as we take this thing to like like prime time yep yeah, yeah. well it, yeah it makes sense i mean it, it feels like we could go yeah i mean we could probably yeah. do another hour on this right but <laughs> i do want to be respectful of your time that you've been with us right um we've been going for about yeah about an hour at this point um yeah let's uh, you know, I don't know if there's a way that we can really put a bow on it, right? But what, yeah, like, you know, I don't know. Like, I just want to give you the floor to, to kind of give us, like, your final thoughts. Anything else that you want to talk about before we close it out for today? Yeah, I mean, I think we cover it a, a, a lot. Um, yeah. I think, like, if you're in a position of you're confronting Kubernetes head on, uh, which a lot of security teams are. It's it's the thing that's coming across people's desks a lot in this, like, what do we do? But, you know, the compliance team's asking, it's it's starting to, like, 
be this organic project at companies that's now ready for production. Um, it's uh, like, just know that there is a future where you can actually be in a better place than you were yesterday with Kubernetes. And that's typically not the security way. Uh, it's all like, everything's bad and you should feel bad, but there actually is a, there actually is a world using these systems that helps developers move really, really fast, own their code from end to end. Like the tooling around the CICD sort of automation, um, the CNCF ecosystem, it's, it's a great community. And I, I, don't, I don't think security has to be, uh, I think we should be part of it, I guess. And, um, you know, I'm not, it's not to say that, that even KSOC is the end all be all. It's just like, I, I think we should embrace these technologies versus push them off and, and kick and scream about them because you can actually like get some serious business value when you do this right. And your job as a security team is like putting the guardrails in place that meet your org's requirements and let your teams just ship software. Right. It's like, that's it. You know? Um, and uh, yeah, if, I've, I've nothing else to plug uh, other than you can follow. I didn't put my Twitter handle on my name, unfortunately. It's Jim Mesta. But yeah, any questions, like a DM, jimmy at ksoc.com, like hit me up on email. Uh, and easy, easy to find and happy to have conversations. Uh, I don't know everything, but I've built a network that will figure it out. Um, and yeah, that's it. I appreciate being on and yeah. always... Uh, yeah. Wish I could hang out with you guys in Hawaii, but you know, yeah, yeah. we'll we'll find we'll find yeah we'll find another spot for sure, right? Yeah, because um, yeah, like th there's definitely more to talk about, and there's you know there's more to dig into. Um, you know, at some point too, it'd be cool to get you on and have a, you know hoodie pony on Slack was actually asking about a demo, right? Like you know, it'd be interesting to Love see Ksoc in action, and um, I know there's a lot of interest from the AppSec space in. Kubernetes as we're deploying our apps and our code into it. Exactly. Like how, how do we integrate with like Kubernetes security, but also application security on top of that? Um, it just feels like there's a lot of synergies that could be had. Oh, right? yeah. Like, yeah. It's, so, it's yeah. starting to feel AppSec and Infra are, they're blending together in ways that we didn't have to in the past, right? I, you know, I did a lot of AppSec stuff and like didn't really deal too much with infrastructure and today it's feeling like you got to know both sides um, to some degree because yeah. your app is going to leverage Kubernetes stuff, whether you like that or not, it's just going to happen. And it's up to AppSec to figure out like how to run these things in uh, a safe environment. Yep. Yep. It totally is. So, or even if it just integrates with cloud services, yeah, there's lots of different. Yeah, exactly. There's so many ways in which an app can. Yeah, I mean, with infrastructure like, in today's. S bomb, like we're doing some S bomb stuff and working with maybe some potential partnerships in supply chain, and like obviously that's the hot topic, but it's it's all appsec, right? Like it's dependencies and how they work, and do you need them? Um, so we're always looking for partners too. Like there is a world where we can surface AppSec things inside of our platform that we, you know, I don't think we're, we're not building AppSec tools specifically, but why not see it in one place in the context of Kubernetes with all the other things you have going on? So um, yeah, we're we're fast and nimble. We're willing to 
to try things that um you know are kind of novel so cool yeah s bomb i threw out which is probably that's okay we do it all the time yeah <laughs> sweet yeah 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 awesome okay all right well um jimmy again we appreciate the time uh the expertise and maybe we don't wait four years before we do this again. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah yeah it's a long time I, i'm get- yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna blame Ken. He was he's our scheduler. No, I'm just kidding. Ken. I have been awful. I gotta tell you, I think the pandemic was was uh it definitely ruined some of my productivity for a while there. So yeah, I'm getting back into it. Yeah, becoming not a lazy <laughs> piece of shit. So yeah. you know, working That's on it. It's funny to see people emerging out of COVID, like back into doing research, producing things. It's uh yeah. it was a it was a rough time, you know, and we're not even out of it yet, really, I guess. So um yeah. I live in Arizona where it never existed in the first place. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're in Arizona. Yeah. Utah didn't really exist either in some. No, circles, so. no. Yeah. So, yeah. Certain circles, it definitely did not. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, cool. All right. Well, um, yeah. Follow Jimmy on Twitter or, you know, reach out to him. Yeah. You're, you know, your contact info is in the show notes. Uh, join us on Slack if you've got further questions or, you know, yeah, like tag us in, on Twitter or somewhere else and we'll answer as much as we can. But otherwise, Ken and I will be back next week, uh, you know, with with more Absolute AppSec. And Jimmy, again, thanks for your time. And we'll, we'll see you online. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Later. Thanks. <laughs>